You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And welcome back. We are live in Chisholm, Minnesota, the Diocese of Duluth. Mark Cheney, I am your host here alongside Father Anthony Craig. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for having me on. It was a, a moving Mass this morning, and uh, it's just a blessing to be here with, uh, you know, the, the social distancing of our world right now and the yeah. turmoil that it's in. A lot of folks, a lot of Christians, a lot of Catholics are so feeling, um, so much feeling left out and left out of that church. And I think it's a blessing that we can be part of Real Presence Live and bringing the message out yeah, it's it's true. Um, just to now watch the Mass on television is just sort of a, a different experience for most people, and even just to hear the audio of it. But there's one positive we could kind of pull out of it, you know, that, that I keep going back to, is that it increases the longing. It disposes one to receive stronger graces from our Lord when that is allowed once again, where we can come back together and worship at the Mass together. Um, and it can be a time where we are just longing for the Lord in sort of the desert of Lent. And he's going to be there in the midst of the desert, but also um, afterwards a great moment of communion coming into that promised land of receiving the sacrament. So I, I try to encourage people that this is a time of fostering that personal prayer and meditation, which is a big part of them becoming saints. So for those, okay, so those that are in the, Iron Range area here that are listening to us this morning, especially um, words of wisdom on how to how to cope with making that connection back and, and feeling it in their home. Yeah, the connection is spiritual communions like mad right now. <laughs> that is, I think that's the key is that spiritual communion. Lord, I long to receive you. I long for union with you. That is the most basic prayer that I would offer is that, Lord, I long to have union with you, which is really our ultimate good. We're ordered for that. We're ordered for union with God. And that's one thing that we can always desire and seek without any worry of unhealthy you know, attachments, that I can have union with God even in my heart and mind and long to be in union with him in the Eucharist, which is just making those prayers again. Lord, I long to have union with you. Words of spiritual wisdom this morning. We have a great show. We have a great show lined up today on Real Presence Live. Chris Motes is joining us. Chris is from the South Dakota Catholic Conference. And Chris, you have an update for us in response to the coronavirus and uh, lots of questions. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is awesome to have you with us here this morning in Real Presence Live. Um, Let's let's just kind of open it up. Um, first, what's been happening in South Dakota in response to the coronavirus from the legislation standpoint, given especially since your session in South Dakota has ended now, correct? Well, technically, we've got one day left. We call it Veto Day. It's March 30th, and it's, it's typically used for the legislators to come back and reconsider any legislation that our governor has vetoed. Um, and in an unprecedented move, uh, that for the first time ever, that day is going to continue, but they're going to be meeting remotely, um, as with so many government bodies, you know, everywhere across the nation, uh, kind of leveraging technology uh, to still try and get um, necessary business done. Um, but 
but this pandemic has upended our normal processes uh, just like everywhere. What are the, some of the things, Chris, that um, you will be keeping an eye on over the coming weeks about all this? Well, you, you know, a lot of what's happened thus far has been um, we've seen executive actions from our state's governor. We've seen uh, local actions coming out of various city councils. Um, I, I think long term, in the, in the coming months, we're going to continue to see executive actions, by and large, leading the way. Our legislature, one of their, in South Dakota, one of their big, big functions is fiscal policy. South Dakota being a very um, fiscally uh, tight state, we don't have a state income tax. Relying on sales tax is going to be a big, uh, a big, big hit uh, for our, our state budget. They're mandated by our constitution to have a balanced budget. They're they're talking about a special session coming back in the summertime when they can. To and thankfully, we've get, you know the the money they're projecting on the the future. It's not that urgent that they meet immediately to, to plan the new budget. That's going to be one of our big things for, for legislators. One of the policy things that's keeping me busy right now, along with my counterparts uh, in North Dakota, Minnesota, the Catholic Conference directors in the various states, is is federal legislation that we're, we're seeing come out of Washington. Of course, these uh, we just heard, um, not last night, the night before, the Senate passed this unprecedented $2 trillion relief bill. Um, now it's got to go through the House, of course, is the next step. But Catholic conference directors everywhere are, are trying to really understand um, all the details of this massive 1,100-page bill so we can help um, you know, our constituents, our, our bishops, and the various uh, organizations within the church, church ministries, understand whatever uh, rights and duties they may have under this legislation. I'm going to throw in a question here because you, you kind of got an interest, you piqued an interest in, in, in my, my brain here. Um, you, you mentioned that South Dakota relies heavily on a sales tax. Any forecast at this point yet on, on the, the loss or the, the amount of uh, less income? You, you know, as economists right now are scrambling everywhere to try and figure out what this is going to mean for our economy, of course, that's been part of the national debate, you know, weighing the economic loss against really what is um, the public health concern. I, I haven't seen solid numbers uh, yet for what it means uh, for South Dakota. You, you know, one of the things I should mention, though, that one of the things that South Dakotans are already used to, to a certain extent, um, is are kind of some of the ups and downs of natural, of just nature. And, of course, this pandemic is, is really a, an extraordinary uh, natural disturbance. But our, our sales tax revenues can even really be dependent upon the weather, which is, of course, um, you know, that's nature, too. So last year, with extreme flooding in a lot of parts of our state, there were just a lot of fields that didn't get planted, and with... Um, with the agricultural economy down, that meant a lot of our egg producers aren't making those those big high dollar purchases that they normally would, and and that's that's a sales tax hit for us. Yeah, it, it in direct impact to you know your sales and, and your revenue from that sales tax from from that point of view. Um, yeah, definitely, it's. Um, you know, all those natural realities that are coming in light of this outbreak. Uh, I have another question shifting us just slightly here. 
how does a healthcare provider, you know, given the fact that these uh, decisions are coming before them on life, uh, if the system becomes overwhelming uh, for them as, as workers, why is this so important um, for us to discuss at this time, too? Yeah, the, the, the healthcare providers are very rightly being um, kind of held up as, as heroes right now. There is uh, one oh, image that was kind of circulating of, of this um, Marines on Mount Suribachi, Iwo Jima, World War II, kind of hoisting the flag raising, this iconic image. But in, in this new image, they're replaced with, you know, the nurse, the physician, uh, the mm. farmers, all these healthcare workers that are really doing heroic things right now. Yeah. And I got to tell you, they're, they're, the work they're doing um, is really, really tough from um, an ethical decision-making standpoint. They're having to consider, n- nearly for the first time, um, things, things like triage or, or what we might call uh, rationing or allocation of scarce resources, they're having to consider these things for the first time um, in, in America that we would normally think of really only in like a, a, a wartime setting. And that's all I can really liken this to. I, and then just a caveat, I don't, I'm not a, I'm just a, a layman. I don't have, I'm not a theologian or a, a bioethicist. My background uh, before going to law school, I was um, in the Marines and de- deployed to combat zones a couple times. And just this whole sense of everything that's happening right now. That's all I can really liken it to. It's just this kind of un- uncertainty in this. Okay, what's you know what's what's going to happen next? But our healthcare workers, as, as they're making these decisions, they're they're really really tough. Um, and but yet at the same time, I got to say, you know, here in the um, state of South Dakota, diocese of Sioux Falls, we've got a great Catholic healthcare system. I still have just a, a lot of just deep, deep trust and confidence um, that, that they are bringing the, the proper ethics in, into the decision-making. You, you, you brought up an interesting point as you were talking a little bit about yourself and uh, what your roles are with the Catholic Conference in South Dakota. Can you expunge a little bit more on that, Chris, and, and your background and how you, how you became involved in it? Yeah, sh- sure. Um, I'm a, I'm a South Dakota native, uh, went to college, did an ROTC program at Iowa State. And, um, it, you know, a lot of people are kind of just remarking on how striking this, this is, kind of this one of these generational moments. Well, I started college in August of 2001, and I just picked up my first set of uniforms from the dry cleaner and returned to my dorm room. Um, literally holding my uniforms in my hand on a Tuesday morning in September and flip on the television and, and, and watch the towers go down. And I just kind of realized at then, like, whoa, what that would mean for me. I, I went on after graduation to serve as a, um, an infantry officer and went on a couple of deployments to Iraq, uh, felt a call to family life, so got out five years later. And actually went to law school up in, in Minnesota, um, a little closer to your guys' neck of the woods, uh, St. Thomas. And then practiced law um, in um, Diocese of St. Cloud for, for four years before the Lord really stirred something, something in my heart, which was this deep, deep love of country, uh, coupled with a, a love for Christ, a love for His Church, which was just really a natural fit for this work. Um, but just as I'm reflecting on this 
this this crisis that we have in our country, especially these really difficult decisions that healthcare workers are having to make, it, that's you know just my experience uh, in a combat zone. That's really all I have to liken it to is 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 kind of this um, knowing that the decisions are tough, but but still we must act. Like not not acting, you know, not making a decision. That's a decision. We've we've we we have obligations um, to do our very very best. Uh, so e- even in difficult times. So true. So true. Fascinating background. I love the story. Um, for those that have just joined us this morning, you're in tune to Real Presence Live. I am Mark Cheney, your host. I am joined by Father Anthony Craig this morning. We are coming to you live from St. Joseph Catholic Church in Chisholm, Minnesota, out of the Diocese of Duluth. And our special guest this morning that we are speaking with is Chris Motes. Chris is from the South Dakota Catholic Conference. And uh, just the other day, Chris saw an article in the Washington Post, and uh, it began discussion amongst some doctors doctors that uh, about resuscitating and, and resuscitating in orders and how they might handle if the system does get overwhelmed and what are the implications and i mean this we could go on for for an hour here just on this question alone and oh, yeah. you know does it set a precedence for future decisions you know it could and just to give some details of what that article in the washington post was discussing is they're discussing having a blanket policy that would implement do not resuscitate orders for people that uh, are diagnosed with COVID-19, meaning if you've got the virus and now all of a sudden you are um, unresponsive, unconscious, in a situation where normally we would undertake life-saving resuscitating measures, potentially life-saving, such as uh, CPR, intubation, et cetera, a a code-type event, is that the proper thing to do now? And the whole consideration in the article is, does it place healthcare workers unduly at risk because of the lack of PPE and the scarce resources that are at hand? And that's a, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that question, but I would say I think it's a legitimate question because, you know, in, in Catholic moral thought, we always, whenever there's, um, whenever there's uh, a right, there's always... A corresponding duty. So, with healthcare workers who, of course, undertake a duty to care, a duty to not abandon, so on and so forth, we as society, um, we have corresponding duties to those healthcare workers. And one of those duties is to provide them with a reasonably safe environment in which to undertake their work. So, the specific situation that's being contemplated is sometimes these resurrect. Um, resuscitating situations can get messy, uh, body fluids, etc. And if there isn't enough protective um, equipment to keep the, you know, dozen or more people that are responding to one of these urgent um, scenarios, if they don't have the materials they need to keep themselves safe, under what circumstances do they have uh, a, a duty to respond? I, I would say that um, from Catholic teaching, we can know that Factors that don't come into play at all are age and disability. Um, you know, all human life has dignity. So that those are things that we shouldn't be looking at is, oh, this person's old, we're just going to let them die. This person's disabled anyways. No, it doesn't, doesn't work like that. We're looking at medical, clinical factors. 
Um, and if I could maybe throw it out there, too, I just posted up on the South Dakota Catholic Conference uh, Facebook page um, a great article from the Catholic News Service that is discussing some of these uh, tough questions. And we're going to get some resources up on our website, too, um, on some of the bioethical things that people might be interested in. I could see the discussion for this going both ways. I mean, right, left, in in the, in the middle, um, and I could see all different arguments for it. Right, right. And so, you know, your your question about are we setting a bad precedent? That's a really good question because we don't want to we don't want to establish blanket policies that aren't taking into account the specific facts of every given circumstance. That's why we don't. That's why we can be appropriately cautious, uh, perhaps, about um, medical orders that are issued um, in advance without taking into account the particular circumstances of this patient at a particular moment in time with full knowledge of resources, equipment, etc. Moral decision-making always takes into account specific details of a situation. So your, your word of caution about precedent is a wise one. Right, and that's that's always where where they have to use prudence, and prudence uses all the things in the moment, also with memory and knowledge. So, yeah, it's a, it's an important thing. So to go case by case rather than blanket, you know, principles. Those are a little harder, you know, to apply. Now, does this change at all? You know, for the healthcare workers and providers, you know, in considering making some of those decisions with the informing their prudence, you know, from the Catholic lens. Now, does that change if the m- numbers really spike for us? If that kind of goes up and uh, and spikes on us, and then we have to make new decisions, does that? How does that change? Yeah, that, that's a that's a great question, and that's where this term um, rationing or allocation comes into play. Is that um, there's got to be a process for controlled allocation of medical equipment, services, resources. And resources include the time and attention of healthcare professionals. And these are the questions that um, all of our healthcare systems are thinking through right now. You know, what are our criteria? Because what you don't want is you don't want um, a person who is kind of in, in that emotional moment making a decision based on subjective determinations, uh, their own subjective determinations on quality of life. Oh, this person, um, you know, like I mentioned already, they're, they're older or they've already got a disability. You know, that's why uh, most hospitals, these, these sorts of decisions are removed from the immediate context of the situation. There's, there's an ethics committee or an ethics advisor uh, who's a bit detached from some of the adrenaline of the moment, so to speak, which can mm-hmm. be really, really helpful. Um, but a- absolutely, I mean, these questions are, I think, really unprecedented. People started to think through them about 10 or 11 years ago with yeah, the H1N1 swine flu, but, but not on this scale. Yeah, this is where those ethics workers can really come into play as an important piece. You know, if the hospitals still have, you know, those ethics boards, most of them do, I'm pretty sure. They do. Um, and and they would be good advisors in these cases, you know, just to help make the decisions along with the healthcare worker, um, whether it be doctors or, or nurses. In conversation yep. at your your Catholic conference, uh, how I mean, how is this all playing out? I mean, how 
we, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, yes, there's rights, yes, there's lefts to the issue. Um, where is it headed? You know, um, that's a that's a that's a good question. I think this is this is one of those moments um, that that is going to be defining in in many many ways. Which is, I, I love that um, the, the virtue of prudence is brought in al- already because sometimes we think of prudence in the sense of like being a prude or being like sort of timid or not acting. But some, some, one of our, um, one of our theologians here in the diocese of Sioux Falls, where I live, described prudence as like Tom Brady in the pocket, you know, like Hmm. you got to make a decision, uh, on what you do and, and you don't necessarily know the outcome, so to speak. Um, you don't exactly know what's going to happen, but you're bringing all of your all of your human resources to bear, which are both you know material, intellectual, spiritual. You're bringing them all to bear on this decision that, that you have to make, and then you you act. You know, you you throw the football, you hand it off. Um, so you know, time will tell. Time will tell. We have about three minutes, Chris, with our segment here this morning. Um, as we kind of summarize what we've discussed here with uh, with what's going on in the South Dakota Catholic Conference, um, an overall summary, what uh, what would you like to, to leave our listeners with this morning? Well, I think the most important thing to, to leave with your listeners is what, what you were discussing before I joined you, which was the interior life. I, I caught you just talking a little bit about spiritual communion, and I think that's that's the most important thing for people to remember, um, is that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And uh, he, he took on flesh because He loves us. Um, he's with us. He's with us always, and He's never going to abandon us. So as the future looks a bit uncertain, you know, what's, what's going to happen? How, how are all these different things going to play out with with healthcare, with the economy, um, with with our with our the ladies' access to the, the sacraments, to the mass, you know, how are all these things going to going to play out? We need to have like an unshakable confidence in God, which just means um, even among the politics and all the prudential things we can do in society, we gotta we gotta pray and we gotta love. So very true. So very true. With that said, as we, we wrap up, Chris, I'd like to thank you for joining us this morning on Real Presence Live. We've been speaking with Chris Motes from the South Dakota Catholic Conference, and I, I think I'm gonna, we've got just a bit of time. I want Father to say just a quick prayer, a summarizing prayer, if you could, Father, and a prayer of guidance. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we ask you to be with us. We know that you are with us and that you hear us. We adore you with profound reverence. We ask pardon for our sins and ask you to make our lives fruitful in your service. We ask in this moment in time and history that you guide us by your Holy Spirit, that we truly be corresponding to your presence among us. Help us to always be attentive to your presence and show you our love and our confidence that you are with us, guiding us by your Holy Spirit. Mary, our Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, our Universal Patron, our Guardian Angels, intercede for us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. So very, very moving in our uh, in our topic this morning with Chris, um, and understanding all the, the quagmires and the dilemmas that our healthcare uh, society and our healthcare world face in today's world, and the uncertainty of it. So many thoughts and many prayers for all of our healthcare professionals and our emergency response people and doctors, nurses, and medical staff. Wow. We have got a great show and more of it coming up this morning. Um, Up next, a lot's been happening in Minnesota as we move from South Dakota to Minnesota. The Minnesota legislature providing uh, the needed resources on those on the uh, coronavirus front lines. Um, Jason Atkins, the Minnesota Conference, will be uh, giving us an update. Later, we invite you to join us in praying the rosary. And uh, it's all here on Real Presence Live. We'll return right after this.